Welcome to episode 9 of Curiosity Killed the Rat Science Podcast, where we just chat some shit, generally science-related shit, Um, and it's a load load of fun. I find it a load of fun. Hopefully you guys do as well. Um, I'm Kate. I'm a neuroscientist. I'm just tagging along for the ride today because we have a super special guest who I will get to in a second, but first we also have... Hey, what's going on? I'm Matt. I'm the other person who's also on this podcast who's not the scientist but you know what I still like science I just get Kate to do the hard work for me and I just get to reap the rewards but joining us Declan our amazing chemistry chemical cowboy chemistry whiz he trained in synthetic chemistry he's currently working in the field today he is going to talk to us about I don't know Declan what are you talking to us about today? G'day um first of all thanks for having me on um, <laughs> yeah politeness. Uh, we'll I've been nagging about this for weeks, but uh, yeah, so I wrote my thesis on hydrogen energy, uh, among other things, and Ooh. I currently work uh, in research and development for a hydrogen energy startup, which is going to remain nameless um, throughout this podcast, but I'm going yep, to reference it heavily. Cool. So if you can, if you really give a shit, you could probably put two and two together and work out where I work. Uh, yeah. Hydrogen, <coughs> Google his name. It's good stuff. Mm. Energy source of the future, baby. I hope. Cool. Yeah, no, I hope too. I So I got really interested in hydrogen about, it was probably, what, six months ago or so, when I actually had to do a radio segment um, for a radio station in Melbourne, and, and I wasn't allowed to talk about my field. So I, I, I ended up actually talking about hydrogen, if you remember that, and I picked your brains for, like, everything about the topic, and I still, I tried my best, but you're going to definitely do a far better job at, at explaining why this is so cool and so exciting. But, like... I don't know. I'm excited already. Why should everyone else be excited? Okay, so hydrogen is really fucking cool because, like, okay, so for, first of all, if you allow me to be a chemistry nerd for just a little bit. This um, is definitely not the platform for that. Excuse you. What do you okay. think this is, a science <laughs> show? Oh, sorry. Oh, my God, dude. Um, this you... is exactly oh. the platform for that. Nerd away, right. my friend. Nerd away. Hydrogen is good shit because um, <laughs> it is... The it's the it's the it's the lightest element. It's the one of the lightest kind of independently stable particles in creation, as far as we know. Let's not talk about like dark matter. I I don't want to I don't want to think about that. Um, <laughs> you, you, may, you may be familiar with some of hydrogen's work in things like hydrocarbons, uh, which make up you and fuel and me and most things in fact hydrogen is the most abundant thing in the universe it comprises i think 98% of all matter is hydrogen oh, so oh, there's cool. a lot of it to go around yeah um, so in terms of things to be interested in i really did pick i was just like well i'm interested in everything why not pick the thing that is actually most of creation yeah. and that is hydrogen. So mm-hmm. you're interested mm-hmm. in Valid. everything so you're picking basically everything because I'm trying to pick hydrogen. as much of it as I can, yeah, mm. without studying like vacuums. Uh hydrogen is about it. Hydrogen is just every uh, element with a cross cut off. Like pretty much it's cuz hydrogen in its in its ground state kind of exists like in and of itself is just a proton like that's hydrogen. Mm. Uh, it's not stable. Mm. You put an electron on it, it's stable. You put another fucking uh, yeah Point is, um, like, all, all other elements, well, all elements are made up of protons, 
and hydrogen has one proton. Does and it have any neutrons? So it's been a while of, since I've done chem. Does hydrogen have neutrons as well? You know, I actually haven't fucking thought about <laughs> neutrons since I was in high school. Like, they just don't matter. Like, <laughs> really? neutrons don't fucking matter. Uh, Sorry, no, and no. neutrons are a thing? <laughs> Apart from uh, Jimmy Newton. Neutrons but- are a thing, but, like, the vast majority of chemistry is essentially keeping track of, like, charge balances. Ah. And mm. so... It's all just electron... Electron... Accounting. Like, um, it's electron accounting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking um, for. And because neutrons don't really play a part in that in any way, shape or form in chemistry, I I have ignored them for the last eight years. Uh, but no, hydrogen has no uh, no neutrons. It is, a, it is a lone proton and a lone electron in its ground state. Um, so yeah, one of the reasons I got interested in hydrogen is, other than the fact that it's really useful as an energy source, which I'm going to talk about for the majority of this podcast, mm. it is uh, 75% of all baryonic mass. Uh, stars are mostly hydrogen, um, and they are most of things. So, you know, if it's most of most things... Then most it's of most things. of everything. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, it plays really important roles in, like, kind of, well, all chemistry, really. Um, because if you've ever done anything to do with acids or bases, how acidic something is is measured by how readily it uh, releases protons uh, by one model. It's an easy way of thinking about it, and with protons just being hydrogen, like how easily does something let go of hydrogen? That's how acidic it is. Mm. How much does it want to grab onto the hydrogen? That's how basic it is. And the chemistry surrounding hydrogen is fucking fascinating. Like there's every it's everything from, you know, like, uh, fuel for the massive fusion reactor in the sky to, um, you know, if, you have, if you've ever wondered what the most acidic substance in the entire world is. Um, oh, I have. I have wondered that. Do tell. Um, I believe it is. Uh, it's antimony hexafluoride. Oh, um, yeah. That's oh, yeah, much. old mate. Right. Antimony you, hexafluoride. You, 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 you will fucking... note has uh, <laughs> no protons <laughs> in it. Um, that's because you traditionally prepare it in a solution of hydrofluoric acid, which for those of you who have watched uh, Breaking Bad is what they dissolve a body in. Incidentally, not actually very good for dissolving human bodies. Okay, lie I have a question. Enough. How yes. can I dissolve a human body? Uh, lie. <laughs> Asking for a face. Basically. Caustic no, no, soda. no. I, d- I want to tell the truth. How do I dissolve a human body? <laughs> uh, what, what do you mean? Like, you, like you, you use lie. caustic soda. Said, it was, it was, it you, was a terrible joke. It was joke. a joke. It was so funny. It's, it's, it's funny. a horrible joke. Chemistry is okay. a very serious business. We never joke. I wish that we weren't social distancing right now and I could just, like, <laughs> slap you for not appreciating my humour. But here we are. Well, that's because it's boomer humour. And a Zoom meeting apart. <laughs> Why are you going to tear me to parts like this every damn episode? <laughs> I mean, the same uh, reason I tear paper, it's easy. Oh, fuck me. I, right. fucked, I fucked this up again. I, it's, it's antimony hexafluoride, and antimony is my favourite element as well. Okay. Sorry, it's ant- antimony hexafluoride is the fucking beast super acid. Um, it can protonate almost anything. So if there it are does, no protons in it, does that mean it's just neutrons and electrons? It's just the most violently negative thing in the world. Except for me. Um, <laughs> no. So it, it, it exists, like, antimony hexafluoride exists as a ratio between antimony hexafluoride and uh, a protonated hydrofluoric acid. So it is, it is essentially, it just, it's so good at, like, shoving protons off itself. It mm. doesn't have any protons. It exists in solution with something that is very good at giving away protons, and it's so good at giving away protons that that thing has an extra one. Right. 
Does that make any sense? So it can't it exist me, outside but... of this solution? Not for very long. And this like that's how you make it. And it doesn't exist outside of that solution for very long. So yeah, you, you it's it's very difficult to like isolate on its own as mm. a super acid. Um, mainly because um it will protonate literally anything it touches. Right. Like and so it anything. take protons away from or give protons. No, to. give protons too. Give so acids acids give away protons. They fucking have right. a fire sale. Um uh, bases take, but then if it's got no protons to give, oh, so it it does have protons to give because it 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 had a proton at some point, yes. but then it gives it away so aggressively yeah. to the hydrofluoric acid, and it, it kind of it kind of keeps it on the hydrofluoric acid, like it right. stores it there, and then the hydrofluoric acid, hey, well H two F in this case, is also so wanting to give away its protons that it's kind of like a slingshot effect. Like right. the antimony hexafluoride has thrown the proton so hard at this other thing that is like ready to throw it at li- it is ready to throw it at literally anything that it comes into contact with. It's just it's 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 just the throw it that's given them away. Right. So the hexafluoride is so the super super strong acid shit is chilling in a solution of did you say hydrofluoric acid? Yes. So it's hydrofluoric okay. acid. So, um, so the hexa the super strong shit because it's so aggressive, has given its proton to the hydrofluoric acid and then yes. that solution is now your super acid solution that'll just be ready to extra aggressively fling these protons at people. Yes, indeed. Yeah, okay. Okay, I think I get it. I think I get it. So the hydrofluoric acid might have been ready to give away its protons in a, in a way where it's just kind of like throwing them at people, but by adding the super strong acid shit to a solution with it, it's now trebuchet. It's now a goddamn slingshot ready to absolutely fang protons. Precisely. Okay. Precisely. Like, you you name it, we will protonate it. Like, <laughs> it's, or, or, almost any substance known will be protonated by this. It's just, it's so aggressive. So then but, once... Yeah, anyway, yeah, so... Okay, sorry, one more question. Just, I'm yes. kind of interested by this shit. So once it has given away its proton, or, like, once you mix this super strong acid solution with something else... Yes. Does the leftover stuff just not have protons anymore, or does it still hang on to a little bit so it doesn't annihilate? Um, so it does, like, um, it does deplete the amount of protons in the in the solution. That that does happen. Okay. But um, generally, with this kind of thing, well, in in this case, you're probably going to be using it either in in very sparing amounts or in very concentrated amounts, like, mm. you know. If, if if you're if you're making uh, fluoroantimonic acid, like <laughs> you have a very serious purpose in mind, um, <laughs> yeah, essentially. True. Does it occur yeah, like, in nature? Um, like no. <laughs> uh, like uh, maybe. Like th- these kind of things. Like the, it's it's extremely unlikely to just occur mm. naturally. But at the same time, the universe is a very big place. Um. That but we like haven't most sourced it in nature. We haven't found it in nature. We've only yeah, like it most really reactive compounds don't exist very much in nature because time is very long and they would have mm. reacted by time now. Time is very yeah. long. That's a, like that's yeah. just such a fucking mood right now. I just want to like jut into the science talk for a second and just reflect on time is very what? long. <laughs> time is oh, very long. Oh, but boy. to be fair, we've actually only done a very small portion of it. There's a lot more to go, unfortunately. <laughs> 
If you're a if you're a, a fucking iron ball phase shill like me, oh don't don't say such horrible things. I mean, like eventually everything's going to fuse or fall down to iron, like given enough time. But that's like you know that's too far away. We don't <laughs> we, we don't, we we don't, don't have to concern ourselves with that. Probably not. In the meantime, though, while we're on this limited part of the long amount of time that there is still to go, hydrogen. Yes. How is it hydrogen, useful to yes. us? Hydrogen. We got so very off topic from how hydrogen is okay. a good fuel. Right. So, yes. My my actual genuine area of interest in hydrogen, of course, all this esoteric shit does interest me. But the actual, you know, the reason I get up in the morning and sit at my computer for eight hours um, other than being paid is because hydrogen is, it's a very energy dense fuel source. So, you know, the reason we don't, use the reason we don't like you know shovel coal into our cars is because it's not as energy dense as we might like it to be other you know mm. besides all the difficulties associated with that it's the same reason we don't like you know put matches in our cars is because it's not very energy dense like you can't like when, when you burn it you don't get a lot of power out mm. hydrogen is the most energy dense non-nuclear material that we have so far discovered so uranium beats it out I think plutonium beats it out. Um, and that like that's pretty much what you're looking at. It's like mm. unless you have a nuclear reactor in an area, like hydrogen is the most energy dense by uh, by weight. Not by volume. Are we talking, it's worth noting. Are we talking by just like getting the extracting energy by burning it, or are we talking hydrogen fusion here? Um we're talking in this case we're talking just burning. Yeah. Um yeah. So when I say when I say energy density, what I mean is the um, the bonds between the two hydrogen atoms. Like breaking that releases a lot of energy. So like breaking the bonds between the uranium atoms reduces a lot more, like more energy. Mm. Uh, but right, because in, in that you're case, breaking down the actual nuclear bond, which is releasing the nuclear force, which is much stronger because yeah. nuclear yeah. shit is strong. Yeah. So like wh- hi- like hydrogen fusion would be great, mm. but we're not we're not quite there yet. Yeah, we can't Working live in it. we can't live in a star. This, so this um, this no. sorry, this high energy density though, this is this is why it's been like um pretty much suggested as a really good way to transport renewable energy, right? Because compared to like a battery or compared to any other way of storing energy, you know, it's very light and therefore easy to transport. But like how I mean, I kind of know the answer to this, but I want to hear your explanation because it would be better than mine. Like, how how are we turning the renewable energy sources into hydrogen, into this energy-dense, good-to-export, good-to-transport uh, source of, of yeah. kaboom? That, that, that good source. You know, source of kaboom. Um, source of oof. Source of yeah. oomph. So you are, you, are par- you are partially right in mm-hmm. the... Um, it's useful to us because it has a really high energy density by weight. Um, One of the other reasons that it's incredibly useful for storing renewable energy in particular is that its sole combustion product is water. Mm. So when you burn... So you you may be familiar from high school chemistry with your your combustion reaction of like... uh, If you have like a a hydrocarbon, like octane that's in petrol, and you combust that, you get a certain amount of CO2 based on how much carbon there is and the oxygen in the air and a bunch yeah, of other stuff. Yeah, burning shit well, is just mixing it with, with oxygen, right? So if you're going to burn a hydrocarbon, you're going to end up with CO2 as a, as a product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But because there's no carbon, 
in hydrogen mm, gas. So you obviously. don't get your CO2. Um, when you burn it, all, all you get yeah. is water vapour. And mm. so there's no emissions from burning hydrogen as a fuel source. I remember a couple of years back, I saw a video on TV. That's that's how long ago it was. It was when <laughs> back I was when TVs TV, existed. Yeah. Sorry, TVs still I know, exist. Right? Well, Here like in 2020, TVs yeah, are still... like free to air. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, what yeah, a time. So this is an old story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, nah, I was watching a video about a car, a hydrogen car, supposedly, um, and mm. one of the things they bragged about was no emissions because the only emissions you got from this hydrogen car was water. And, like, I don't know if it was real or if it was just for the show of it, but, like, the water was meant to, like, drip out the back where the exhaust pipe would have been, and they had, like, a glass of water under it, and then the presenter just drank the water that came out of this car. So I don't know how much of that was real, how much of it was just for the TV That's a lot. That's, I mean, like, it is water, but, like... I've I've sat in one of But, like, drinkable water? Um, Yeah, so they're real. Drinkable water. Drinkable... I mean, it's water. It's distilled water, right? It's pure H2O. So, like, like... I mean, it's it's still going through yeah, a car exactly, engine, so like exactly. it, you know, like you're still picking out contaminants like from the have engine. Like other that's, shit you know, that's it. my biggest concern. Um, is like it's like in theory, yeah, in the nice like, like chemical equation, yes, it's pure H two O, but like it's got to be made somewhere, and that somewhere happens to be a car engine. I'm not drinking that shit. Yeah, like. Like, there's probably still going to be, like, other shit in there. Like, I wouldn't necessarily go drinking it. Legal disclaimer. Um, <laughs> but, like, I have I have sat in one of those cars at a hydrogen energy mm-hmm. conference, um, and I have watched one be driven, and it does, like, water does dribble out the back. Like, that's that's, that's what they really do. That's really weird. Um, which is, like, like genuinely crazy yeah. to watch. Like, yeah, like, you're used to things dribbling out of cars being like, it's oh, oil shit. or something, but, but no, no, it's water. It's, do, do you that's know much exhaust, about maybe. hydrogen cars? Um, I know a little. Like, I am definitely more on the industry side of things mm. than the car side of things. Just, do you know where they ki- how the engine works sitting on a spectrum of, like, a regular combustion engine versus a, um, like, a Tesla, an electric car? Um, so there are a couple of different, like, types of hydrogen cars. Um, one of them is a hydrogen mm. fuel cell, which is, bas- which is, like, more towards the Tesla end of things. Is it just and like the a other one, little battery thing. Yeah, a fuel yeah. cells. Yeah. yeah, not quite the same as a battery, but sim- no. similar. Yeah, um, okay. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that end of things. Okay. Um, the other type of hydrogen car is literally a combustion engine, um, and that is I'm a little bit more familiar with because that's kind of where I see things going. But yeah, um, okay. so there are kind of two broad categories, and um, the ones that I sat in and saw at the conference. Um, and the ones that you can buy in South Korea today for 35,000 US dollars. Um, well, maybe not today. We have a pandemic. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't leave your house, are, but when uh, the pandemic's over, go buy yourself yeah, a hydrogen car from South Korea. Like, yeah, don't, don't go to South Korea to buy a car yet. <laughs> they are managing the whole thing quite well, but mm-hmm. hold on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Noted. yeah, no. So that, they have a combustion engine exactly like your, well, you have a motorbike, but like, yeah. you know, same shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's just using hydrogen gas instead of um, liquid petrol. Yeah. I assume it's yeah. gas, or it might get pressurized into liquid form, but it would get converted into gas for the combustion process. Yeah, yeah, so it would it would be a gas. Um, compressing hydrogen is uh, difficult at best. Okay. <laughs> uh, what... What 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 one of the one of the limitations with hydrogen is that it is extremely small. Right. Um, yeah. So it'd and be it is also extremely pressurized that into a. Oh yeah, and also Lol Hindenburg. So that that oh, was something. Well, no. Okay. The, the Hindenburg was not hydrogen. I want to dispel that myth right okay. now. Hindenburg. 
it, it was mm. it was hydrogen, and filling a huge balloon with an explosive gas is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But the reason that that thing fucked up was because they coated it in flammable paint. Okay, that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake. Or like it probably wouldn't have helped. No. Well, yeah, because like, I it, it would have been it, like it genuinely would have been fine if it wasn't for the paint. The hydrogen inside, not a like that's 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 a non-issue if you don't coat your your balloon in explosive True. paint. Because like pure hydrogen's Flammable not going to blow paint. up without oxygen in there, right? Well, Indeed. yeah, yeah, and also like a point, like because I definitely I watched a video on this because this was a concern that definitely came to my mind as well was like you know the the safety of hydrogen fuel, but I, I watched a, a video, this is relating to what you were asking earlier, Matt, about hydrogen cars, and this is, like, hydrogen cars, and because, mm. like, so if you think about it, right, like, why was the Hindenburg, like, full of, of hydrogen? It's because hydrogen is mm. lighter than air. It floats. It's yeah. going to lift up the thing. So the way hydrogen cars are actually designed these days is so that, like, if something does go wrong inside, if there's a combustion, if there's an explosion of some kind, it's actually going to, like, release the hydrogen. The hydrogen going to go like, shoom, straight up above lighter than air and it's going to burn like up away from the car where it's not actually <laughs> I'm just imagining you in... driving down the street and you have a mechanical f- failure and it's just this pyrotechnic burst of like jet well yeah it's going to it's going to be more like car. that than like if you have unleaded you know petroleum car in your troubles car, now become that shit's going to burn in your engine yeah so mm. i don't know hydrogen cars are actually from what i read and watched feel free to like tell me that i'm wrong and that i'm an idiot here declan but um from the the research that i did like six months ago and as far as my brain remembers it um yeah the argument that this particular study was making is that hydrogen cars are actually safer than petroleum cars because of hydrogen's lighter than air and its tendency to burn away from the danger zone as such yeah yeah well so partially that and also partially um the science behind like getting an explosion can be quite particular Mm. um and it's essentially you need like the correct uh vo2 mix and which is is, is accurate for like volatile and oxygen Mm -hmm. um and so, like, above a certain percent, it won't catch on fire, and below a certain percent, it also won't catch on fire. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like, essentially with petroleum vapors, that's, like, very easy to achieve, but when you have a tank of, like, pressurized hydrogen that has no oxygen in it, like, mm. you, you, like you, you, it's much more difficult to set on fire. Um, with that said, if you're going to design a blimp, please use uh, helium. Please use, mm-hmm. uh, or, or it's just something else. Non-flammable like, just, paint. Just for safety's sake. Like, you can mm. use hydrogen. Maybe consider helium. It's an option. <laughs> it's, lighter, it's lighter than air. It's to- It's almost totally inert. It's not totally inert. You can not You can fuck around with it. Don't. <laughs> to to, re- to recap very briefly, hydrogen is fantastic as a in terms of combustion because it is incredibly energy dense mm. by weight. So it takes up very little weight for the power that you get out of it Mm -hmm. and it combusts totally cleanly so when you burn it you only get water and so it doesn't pollute it's not it's non-polluting to burn it Mm -hmm. so bearing those two facts in mind how do we get hydrogen because it's a gas you can't like well you can't really mine it like because it just fucking goes i always Um, imagine like things that mine gaseous things and airy things where it's basically just like a giant industrial vacuum cleaner pointed at the sky (laughs) sucking the air out if only. I, I, look, I, that's that's a bit more chemenge than I'm used to, but um, <laughs> I'm sure such I, a thing I, exists. I'm heading that way at the I moment. God help me. No. Um, but so the the one way that it's made currently 
is uh, methane steam reformation, where uh, methane, CH4, is broken down into hydrogen and CO2, uh, which is not ideal because it's still producing CO2. When you, when you burn the hydrogen, that's clean, but the actual method of producing it is um, still producing greenhouse gases, which is not great. One method, this is what I looked at for my thesis, um, is called the hydrogen evolution reaction, or HER, uh, which is splitting water, H2O, into hydrogen, H2, and oxygen, O2. So you get the the ratios, there's a a ratio there. And essentially the idea with um, using hydrogen for clean energy storage is that solar panels and wind turbines and stuff are fantastic, although irregular. Like, you know, it's it's you can you can have as many of them as you want, mm. but if it's if there's no wind and it's nighttime, well, like, like this is the thing, fucked. right? When do people want to turn on lights? They want to turn on lights when it's fucking nighttime and the sun's well, gone yeah, to bed. Yeah. Like, but that's why batteries yeah. are a thing to store energy. But batteries aren't necessarily yes. the best way to store that energy. Um, are no, they? I don't know. I don't want to hijack this episode. Well, well can can you store solar power with hydrogen? Is that yes? Yes, yes that's the Yanni, point. It's so can. cool. It's and this, so and, cool. And, and okay. I'm going to tell Ooh. you how to do it okay. right now. So by by passing an electric current through water with a catalyst, you can split water into hydrogen and oxygen, right? And then you can catch that hydrogen. You can let the oxygen go into the atmosphere. That's fine. Um, that, that won't come back to haunt us, I'm sure. Um, giant and millipedes, it, 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 giant millipedes. Okay, so like the, the, the combustion reaction of hydrogen means that any hydrogen produced for fuel is going to consume like the same amount of oxygen that was released when it was produced. Uh-huh. But my private hope is giant millipedes. <laughs> like I know scientifically that's not going to happen. Yeah. But like me, like the, the insane scientist part of my brain is mm. like giant millipedes, giant millipedes. We all have that little insane um, scientist part of our brains, don't we? All of us scientists. I like how you're, 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 you're pussyfooting over the term mad scientist. Uh, sorry, no, I said mad going. scientist. We're all just fucking mad you scientists. Did. I I'm a mad scientist. Yeah, no, I, I like. I, I'm the maddest. There, there, there are no totally well-adjusted chemists. I'll stand. There's by no that totally point. well-adjusted scientist. <laughs> There's no real fictional depiction of mad scientists. I feel I saw a really good comic that was like all mad scientists you see in fiction are actually just mad engineers. That's actually really very yeah. valid. Yeah, no, that's that's a very yeah. good point. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel a bit underrepresented, but I anyway, think they exist, um, and that's important to note. So. The process of doing of doing this water splitting um, is not super efficient without a catalyst, and so catalyst design in this field has been really important. And that was what I wrote my thesis on. Okay, um, quick question for the lay people: uh, What's a catalyst? Yes. Define a catalyst. Okay, so if you want to go from point A to point B, and the only road that will get you there is like just takes a massive detour it's like it's like a 15 hour detour right mm-hmm. you're not gonna go mm-hmm. because fuck who would like what what could possibly be so good at point b that you're gonna take this insane detour a catalyst is a is a is a essentially something you add to a chemical reaction to give you another another route to get there that is more efficient so instead of Shortcut. taking a 15 hour detour it takes an hour, and then all of a sudden, going to point B isn't all so bad. Yeah. So it's and like so the uh, go to point B. the giant eagles in Lord of the Rings are the catalyst. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so that, that is exactly that's exactly it. Shoom, cool. Shoom, shoom. Let's not get into why the eagles <laughs> couldn't fly into Mordor. There is a good reason for that. <laughs> I'm sure, but we're not going into it. We're not. Continue. Um, <laughs> we just assume the catalyst yeah. is only valid for the return trip of the reaction. 
Of course. It's no. <laughs> um, <laughs> catalysts catalysts are very specifically to make things go one way. Exactly. Um, like otherwise, the it would be so bad. <laughs> like the eagles. They can't go into Mordor. They can only come out of Mordor. Yes. <laughs> it's a perfect analogy. I will die on this hill. I will die like, on this goddamn no, it's, wizard it's, tower. It's, 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 a, it's a good analogy, but it's the, perfect the, 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 point, the point of this is that Don't let you, the add, you add a catalyst to this reaction and all of a sudden it makes water splitting go from hideously inefficient to actually quite efficient. What is the catalyst in this circumstance? Well, that's the fucking... Ten billion dollar question. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see. I, I can, I can, I can tell you with a pretty, pretty high thing of confidence that it is not uh, a various uh, molybdenum disulfide dimers. With, uh, uh, Why would <laughs> it? Which is, come on. Well, that's what I, I wrote only my thesis did on. A lot of reasons chem, and that I can should tell be. you it's not dive fucking cri- d- 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 Dimmy Tap. Did I don't you just say kryptonite? <laughs> Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, like Krypton is a thing. Um, <laughs> how, how do we know that it can get there using a catalyst if we don't know what the catalyst is? Oh, so we have catalysts that can do it. Platinum. It's just a question of economics right? at this point. Oh. Platinum's so, your, be- your like, big, big, big boy. Like, there are, there are kind of two schools of thought when it comes to catalysis. You either have a really expensive, really good catalyst, or you have a really cheap, kind of shitty catalyst. So, like, ov- obviously the ideal is you have a really good, really cheap catalyst, but, mm. like... That ain't how you know, life we, works. We can't always get what we want now, can we? No. Um, um, we could try. We might just get what we need. Um, <laughs> just that. <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting the meme short. You get what so you need. For instance, there have been some really good platinum-based catalysts. Platinum is incredibly expensive. Nailed it. Um, but if you're reusing them, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I have a whole, like, garage full of catnip. Catnam-based platinumists? No. Platinum. Do, do you even have a garage? Platypus. You live in a townhouse. I do not have a garage, um, and it's not full of catnam-based platinists or platinum-based catalysts. Um, I will acknowledge well, that if now. If was, you should be selling those because they're so expensive. Oh, um, that would pay my rent right now. Yep. Yeah, it would pay a lot. Of, pay for a lot of things. Um, yeah, so plat- platinum is hideously expensive. Um, so, like, that can be used if uh, you're reusing your catalyst um, in nature. There are uh, nickel-iron-based hydrogenase enzymes that catalyze the hydrogen evolution reaction at, like, a breathtaking speed. Um, but as... Um, I mean, I'm not a biochemist. I have no desire to think about enzymes. Um, they're big and unwieldy, um, but you can... Essentially, a lot a lot of catalyst design in this area has gone into mimicking the active site of hydrogenase. Yeah, so, so they use, like, nickel protein crystallography, a, right, to, like... Yeah, yeah. So you could crystallize a protein and then you can try and work out which area of the protein is doing the hydrogen evolving and then you kind of focus in on that and you're like, all right, there's, mm-hmm. like, there's like 15 atoms here. How do we paste these together in a lab? That's basically what synthetic chemistry is. It's poisonous Lego for adults. Um, <laughs> I am not joking. <laughs> it really is poisonous Lego for adults. Lego is for people of every age. Uh, um, but do not let your children do synthetic chemistry. <laughs> no, that's valid. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be chemists. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a song during honors called "Mamas, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Chemists." <laughs> or I rip off a highwayman song called "Mamas, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys." Um, oh, that's cool. And here you are, yeah. the chemistry cowboy. And himself. here we have disappointing everybody's mother, gentlemen, and everyone in between for the very first live performance of. <laughs> 
What did you say it was called? Mamas don't let uh, you. Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be chemists. Grow up that. to chemists. Go on. Declan, come on. Give us a, um, give us, give us, give us I'm, a. I'll try to, I'll try to find it. Um, Spit a bar. Spit a Is Is there a, is it recorded already on the internet? Oh, no. Like it's literally just a text file on my computer somewhere. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm am sorry. This is gonna this is gonna take longer to find than it is gonna be worth. Okay, the bit. well that's sad. Um, but I will I will try and find it and then send you a hideous recording after this podcast is over. You can have that as the intro music. Declan, I'd be very happy to help you produce a legitimate recording of this song. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he's not you, you, kidding. You say that, but you haven't heard the lyrics no, or me sing. Also, I don't need to. He doesn't. <laughs> He's related to me. Well, yeah, but like again, you you, ha- you haven't you haven't heard this. Um, uh-huh. So is there okay? Song aside, hilarious song aside, unless you happen to have found it. What what else? I'm not, I'm not gonna look. No. Okay. All right. So round us up. One method of producing hydrogen is catalyzing the hydrogen evolution reaction, splitting it from water, storing renewable energy as hydrogen. So the idea is that if you have, you know a thousand square kilometers of solar panels in the fuck just in the Simpson desert, which incidentally would power the entire world constantly. Okay. Uh, question. With a, a lot left over. Why do we not have yeah. that? <laughs> Why is that not a thing? Uh, like essentially that has a very high capital expense yeah. and it would use a lot of rare earth metals. Mm, okay. um, Valid. And also like in, in our case, specifically within Australia, like there's native title issues and mm. let's not get into that. That's, that's a whole other True. issue. Um, but essentially, um, the renewables industry is not incredibly profitable at the moment just yet um, because profit seems to be the limiting factor in terms of whether or not we want the earth to be habitable in 50 years, which seems which insane to me, wild. but I'm probably not allowed to get political here. But there we um, go. But yeah, in, in, incidentally, um, there is a lot of area on earth that gets sun pretty much 365 days a year and no one lives, mm. um, and it would be fairly trivial to, like, you know, put solar panels there. Like it would be expensive to make them, to be sure. But you know what's a lot more expensive? Being dead. Um, <laughs> I would say like, being dead, being dead costs constantly building exactly. sea walls and like you know having major cities be destroyed uh-huh. by pandemics and floods and hurricanes. I don't know. Every five I years. don't know what you're talking about. Nothing. No such thing has ever happened no, on this planet. No, 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 nothing like that has ever happened. It's not like hundred year storms are becoming a once every ten year occurrence. Ten or year like storms. That. No. And it's mm-hmm. not like that trend is mm-hmm. going to increase mm-hmm. drastically. Anyway. Anyway. My my bitterness aside, um, essentially the reason we haven't done it is because um, people are waiting for it to become more efficient, um, the the building of the solar panels, that is, and then the subsequent storage of hydrogen, a subsequent storage of the energy generated, st- storing that as hydrogen. So the idea is that if you have this huge array of solar panels and it's producing, let's, let's say for ease of math, it's producing three times as much power as we need, right? Mm-hmm. So during the day... Um, it, you produce more energy than you need and then you run the excess energy that's not being put into the grid. You run that energy, does that the electricity that's generated, you run that through water with a catalyst, generate hydrogen, store it in huge containers and then at night when there's no sun and in this case, for the sake of argument, no wind, um, you burn that hydrogen and use that to power just a regular old steam generator or any other form of like converting uh, chemical energy into kinetic energy mm-hmm. and then back again that you may choose. You could probably even um, um, capture the oxygen that gets 
put off as a byproduct and store it aside for rocket fuel and shit like that, right? Um, we have better things for rocket fuel than oxygen. Like oh, we could okay. probably just let that go. Um, oh. but like, <laughs> yeah, like like if you want to sell tanks of pure oxygen, like I mean, it's, it's an option. So. If we breathe in oxygen, that's not a bad thing, right? Like you know, human beings dig some oxygen in the atmosphere yeah, like, for respiration. Miller Pete's, Miller Pete's, Miller Pete's, no, Miller Pete's, for respiration. <laughs> For our lungs want, to do the we, thing where they convert the oxygen to the carbon dioxide, and then we have no, we energy. Want, I'm just imagining a future Declan where, like, in in the future where you, you you've gotten pretty successful in this hydrogen thing, the world's woken up. We've switched this hydrogen energy. You've made a lot of money from it, kind of spearheading it, and then like it, we kind of cut to a shot where it goes below your lab, and you've just got this cultivated fake forest under that's just crawling with giant bugs and stuff that you're, you're feeding all the oxygen down there to create so, this oxygen. Uh, wait, what is what is what is your address <laughs> for no reason at all? Because um, I have to um, send you a package. Um, <laughs> That has nothing to do with this conversation at all and not my desire to keep my hypermillipede lab a secret pain of death for anyone who finds it. Um, Like, look, if saving the planet and having the renewable renewable energy and efficient energy isn't enough, I'd like to appeal to people's crazy side and say, hey, if we switch to this, giant millipede farms. Yeah. Mm. Uh, g- genuinely, if you're out there and you're, not, and you're not sold on renewable energy yet and you're not sold on hydrogen... Um, I implore you to think of huge bugs. Okay, so for, <laughs> for people at home be. that don't understand the correlation between oxygen and huge bugs, does someone want to explain this? Right, okay. So essentially the more oxygen there is in the atmosphere on Earth, the larger things grow. So at, at various points in prehistory, um, you know, we had like dog-sized dragonflies and car-sized centipedes because there was a lot more oxygen in the atmosphere for various reasons to do with, like, the amount of plants that there were and the amount of carbon dioxide there was before that. Mm. So, broadly speaking, higher percentage of oxygen in the atmosphere means uh, larger life forms, um, which is good news because big things are good. Um, (laughs) That's where this millipede joke has been coming from. Um... Other methods of producing hydrogen uh, as a fuel source because, you know, Lord Lord knows um, renewable energy seems to be, like, having a little bit of difficulty getting off the ground despite the fact that it is the single best weapon you have against, uh, like, in a fight against, like, an existential threat against humanity and life as we know it. Uh, People seem to be kind of unwilling to make that jump for whatever fucking reason. Uh, So, for instance, the company that I work for, which is going to remain nameless... um, has commercialized a process by which methane is split into hydrogen and carbon. So normally, um, methane used in the production of hydrogen uh, is split into hydrogen and carbon dioxide. Um, but so what we have found is that using iron ore as a catalyst, uh, shout out to my West Australian gang, so, uh, the ground here is fucking yes. made of iron ore. Like there is so much of it. It is so abundant. Everything is um, so red all the time. It's just, it's so fucking red, which as a communist and a ginger is just so <laughs> red. Um, yeah, so using iron ore as a catalyst, uh, so this is this is on the uh, so cheap it doesn't matter end of things. Um, mm. Using iron ore as a catalyst, you can split uh, methane into graphite, uh, which high, like high quality carbon that gets used in like circuitry and steel refining and stuff like that. 
and hydrogen, which is like the point of the whole endeavor mm. is to have uh, hydrogen fuels so that we can still drive cars because Lord knows we're not getting people to give that up um, and fly planes and all that good stuff that we like having, you know, any sort of power for in any way, shape or form mm. um, while not uh, dooming us all to, you know, scavenging in the ruins of the former society. Yeah, the problem with, like, Mad Max scenarios and things like that of this post-apocalyptic wasteland is, like, where the fuck are you getting the petrol to drive all these cars? The whole point is that all of the fuel ran out, right? I mean, like, yeah, there's Gas Town and they find extra reserves and civilization thrives on that, but... We, we, we could be living in, like, Coruscant-style shit, you know? We yes! could be living in futuristic places with this hydrogen out. fuel. And honestly, Coruscant seems way more comfortable than fucking Fury Road. I would happily. I don't care yeah. how and much again, you like leather. I've got the Furiosa buzz oh. cut, so, like, I would I would happily live in either scenario. I was I was going to say I would do literally anything to have Charlize Theron and or Tom Brady in that movie step on my throat. But... Um, <laughs> Valid. Like, Tom Brady, Charlie's Theron, Fair. if you're listening, like, I don't have much. Uh, um, agreed. No, like, ov- ov- obviously, you know, living in a you know futuristic utopia would be wonderful and much better than having to kill people on the road all day. Mm. Um, and, yeah, like, there doesn't really seem to be currently, like, a um, an alternative energy source for, like, uh, cars and transport yeah. generally. Um, that is not like hydrocarbon based, um, or like there are there's battery tech, obviously. Um, like but that's just pulling from the main grid, which that. ultimately is still polluting. Yeah, because yeah. Like our you're, grid you're, is you're powered still by coal. Not, you know, ex- exactly. You're still not escaping the um, the the the, par- the the hydrocarbon paradigm. The kind of just like we're going to burn coal and oh, it's clean because you're getting it from the grid. It's 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 fucking not. It's not. Um, like I've I've always it's, thought it's, about it's that better. Because all you're doing is just upping your power bill and contributing yeah. in that way. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, like there is there is a case to be made for like if you if you have a Tesla, for instance, mm. not to name drop any brands, but um, I've already name dropped. Please, that's fine. <laughs> please, please give me a Tesla. Um, I really want a Tesla like, as well. With all that being said, oh, they're well, so look, if they're going I really out, like, Elon, Elon, I wouldn't oh say God. no. Like, oh. like Elon Musk is a bastard, but God, he does make a cool car. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like you know, if you have if you have like twenty solar panels on the roof of your house, you're never paying a power bill again in your life. Like, yeah, you could do that and have a Tesla. Like that's fine. That's um, true. Yeah, like you're 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 counteracting the um, you're you're counteracting that. And you know, obviously you have to charge it on the road and stuff, but it's a damn sight better. Look, there there is battery tech. That is a thing. Um, that is exciting. Um, unfortunately, one of the main limitations with that is lithium is reactive and you have to mine it um and that comes with its own set of complications and then you you know you have to mine the lithium you have to build the batteries you have to get the electrolytic solution um and you know hydrogen isn't necessarily free of all these problems either but um it is it is another step in the chain and at some point you do have to like divest the primary energy generation away from coal and fossil fuels to something that is not going to damn us all something that i really want to see happen is the combustion style hydrogen engine made into a motorcycle because i've not seen that and i'd I'd like to think of myself as a greenie and i'm really into alternate energy solutions but i love riding my Mm. motorcycle and currently you can get some electric bikes but they're super expensive and i need a way to transport 
well, I mean, I could get a, a hybrid car, an electric car, but I really like motorcycles. Motorcycles so I want are a hybrid version well, yeah, yeah, that no has way. a combustion it's, engine, so it still feels real. You know, <laughs> so it still has that grump. It's an interesting point you bring up there, actually, because there mm. is kind of a. Um, there is a bit of a chicken and egg scenario when it comes to like putting hydrogen vehicles on the road because vehicle companies are you know, like they're private companies. They are they are loath to do anything if they're not going to see any profit from it, right? Yeah. And you know, given that there are no, there's no way you can fuel up a hydrogen car in in Australia except for like you know if you order the hydrogen in specially, right? Yeah. But then if there's no hydrogen cars on the road. Why are the private companies like Shell or ExxonMobil or whatever going to build a hydrogen Bowser at their fuel stations mm. if there's no cars to use it? Like it's just going to be mm. sitting there and it's going to cost them $100,000 or something like that. It's an arbitrary amount. So why do it? And so what South Korea did, because they have hydrogen vehicles on the road, mm. is that the government essentially decided that enough was enough and they essentially subsidised the construction of a small number of hydrogen Bowsers like across like in major metropolitan areas and then like a few across the country um they just said like we're gonna pay for this we're paying for the hydrogen bowsers um and then they also subsidized the cost of hydrogen vehicles so earlier in the podcast when i said that uh you can buy a hydrogen car in south korea today for thirty five thousand dollars you can they actually sell for seventy thousand us dollars and the government pays for half of that and so that is as far as i'm concerned and uh, what I got from I went I went to a hydrogen energy conference a couple of years ago where our premier was presenting, and that was an int- that was an idea that he was really in favour of. Uh, Mark yeah. McGowan, that is, yeah. and Alana McTiernan, the federal minister as well, were both like, "Yeah, look, like you know, we want to build hydrogen bowsers. Like we like we are we are wanting to subsidise this." So. There is a little bit of a chicken and egg thing with like and having it then actually be COVID hit. Yeah, and, and now and now yeah. we're in the middle of and a then everything pandemic. changed when the corona attacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, maybe give it a few years. Yeah, um, all that's but, been kind of like, put on pause at the moment. So yeah, there, there is a bit of a chicken and egg scenario there, yeah. but like it has been like that has been successfully navigated um, in South Korea, um, and also from a more like from a perspective of like industry. Um, if you think about a, a, a country like uh, Japan or South Korea, and I bring these two up as examples for very specific reasons, um, they have very high population density. They have um, very, like, they don't have a lot of unused land. And so things like renewable energy are quite difficult to kind of uh, sort out in, in countries that have not a lot of land and a huge amount of power use. Yeah. Um, like main sort of so, Europe area, like France and other yeah, countries. Yeah, like, but they, they have like fields and shit, man. Like they have, they they're they're not so bad. Okay. But I, was, I specifically bring up South Korea and Japan because right, relevant yeah. to, to 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 me as a as a West Australian and mm. you, Matt, as a West Australian yeah. and Kate less so, but as an Australian. <laughs> I was a, a West Australian, Australian for a couple of years. Sorry, yeah, a lesser you, you... Australian. Ouch. Oh, it's just a little yeah. Western Australian joke. I was about to be like, I was born here, but then I remembered I wasn't. So no, you were born in England. You're right. Mate. I am in fact a lesser Australian. Or a little cup of tea. I do, I do like a good cup of tea, but no, sorry, uh, keep going. One of the good things about hydrogen is that you can export it. Uh, so if a country like Japan, for instance, wants mm. to be, say, 80% reliant on green hydrogen, which is hydrogen produced from renewable and clean sources... If a country like Japan wants to be, say, 80% reliant by 2030 on green hydrogen, which they do, incidentally. Funny like, you say a, that. A, Crazy. A, a, a published goal that they mm. have actually stated. Lovely. Um, that, that, like, you know, that means that countries that have a huge amount of land that is exposed to a shitload of sunlight, like Australia, 
can generate a lot of hydrogen and then sell it to other countries that want to, re- to use renewable energy uh, in this manner and want to use hydrogen energy in this manner, but for various like geological reasons, like may find that more difficult. And there's no reason that you can't use um, like other power sources. Like there's no reason that you couldn't use a nuclear power plant to um, and store that energy as hydrogen. It's not. It's less of, less of it's less of an energy source and more of an energy storage method. Mm. So you know, if you can think of it, kind of like yeah, as as has been said, just it's analogous to this, a battery. Just the fact that this process of zapping electricity and water with a catalyst produces hydrogen mm. really efficiently that allows hydrogen to be such a good energy storage solution added to the fact that hydrogen real tiny and real burny. And also that when you burn hydrogen, yeah. you only get water as was a byproduct instead of when you burn a yeah. hydrocarbon, you get, you get a CO2 byproduct, which is obviously not what we want with the whole greenhouse effect, etc. A hydrocarbon being things like petrol and coal. and Yeah. Petroleum, gas. any fossil fuel is going to be a hydrocarbon. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's about time to shuffle across to the listener question. Um, so the listener question, is it, it was a good one, actually, because it was bouncing off last fortnight's episode. So if you listen to last fortnight's episode, we talked about soap and how yeah, but, but the chemistry of soap, how it works, why it works in terms of germs and also, you know, the SARS-CoV-2 virus and why why it's a good thing. Um, but we got a question from Faith. There was It was pretty much a two-part question. It was, can germs grow on bars of soap? And then followed by, is it hygienic for people to share bars of soap? So I'm going to tackle this question in in two parts because that's kind of how it was written. Um, so for the first part of the question, can germs grow on soap? Yes. The answer is yes. So I found a few studies um, looking at both like household soaps and also just like commercial area soaps um, that show that c- certain germs like E. coli, for example, and a common, a few other common bacteria that I'm not even going to try pronounce because like, I just, I'm going to fuck it right up. So I'm not even going to try. Um, but these, these germs and these bacteria can actually grow on bars of soap. So one study looked at soap in a household setting and they actually found that the soap that was more readily used or more commonly used, sorry, um, had more bacteria, we had, was found to have more bacteria growing on it than the soap in, like, the soap that was less commonly used, right? Um, and another study looked at dental clinics, so, like, the bars of soap in, in dental clinics to sort of, like, simulate a public setting, I guess, in a way. And so... Of the Is that thir- um, bars of soap that the dentists use or, like, in the toilets for the patients? Um, they I don't should- recall seeing bars of soap at, at dentist offices. I'm sorry. I, th- oh, I think don't? it would... Like- <laughs> Do you not? Do they not give you a bar of soap to eat while you? <laughs> That's how no. they actually clean your mouth properly, right? Because you know it's different from toothbrushes. That's what gives you that dentist feel. You mm-hmm. just like literally mm-hmm. suck on a bar. That's why of people soap. hate going to the dentist because your mouth is full of soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like why parents are like, "Hey, I'll wash your mouth out with soap," because it's like going to the dentist and that's scary. So it's a punishment. Yeah, scale and clean is where they just use the soap to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. The so, S in scale stands for soap. Floss is literally soap on a rope. To answer your question, um, the bar soap was placed in the dental clinic band washing stations. So this bar soap was intended to be used by the dentist and other auxiliaries in the clinic. None of them were aware of the aim of the study. So okay. it, it was just soap used by dentists and dental nurses and stuff in their general washing up station. And they had no idea that right. this test was being done. And How do you fucking spring that on a dentist? I don't know. You just, you just do. You just, you buy them. A 
bottle of wine and hope for the best. Um, but they took 32 <laughs> samples of bar soap, right, across several different dental clinics, um, and they found 100% of these samples came back um, positive with some kind of microorganism growth on them. Mm. So Where are the 32 dentists? Nine out of ten dentists recommend, you know. I don't there know. are only nine dentists. <laughs> but nine out of ten dentists. Only nine of them. But then there's there's three three of the ten dentists and then there's another two just doing their thing. I don't know. The point is germs can grow on soap. But then the next part of the question is, does that matter, right? If I was to wash my hands with a bar of soap that had all these germs growing on it, would I pick up those germs would I get sick you know I don't know Mr. Chemistry Man Chemistry Cowboy what do you reckon you had a pretty good thought process um, of this I reckon nah you reckon nah <laughs> like, I mean I, like, I have some studies like, okay, to if you've got, it up, if, you've got but... if you've got germs on the soap how is that different to having germs on your hands right, like exactly. you're still putting soap on and then washing your hands like they're still getting fucking murk yeah like, so you know does it, does it really matter if you put like 10% extra germs on pubes mm-hmm. you've got to watch out for pubes though <laughs> for what Oh. Don't leave your fucking pubes in the soap. Pubes. Oh, I heard. That's just mm, disgusting. Okay. Mm, no, gross. But I'm, no, I'm, I'm only imagining like, the bar of soap to be for like washing your hands, and I'm wondering how you're getting pubes in <laughs> your hand soap. Interesting question. I don't want the answer. Well, uh... No, stop. I don't <laughs> want the answer. So, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, like, you know, if you want more information, go back, listen to our last episode where I go into soap and, like, how it actually works. But essentially the, the soap molecules, the soap sperm, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say soap sperm, <laughs> listen to our episode. That's where the okay, cubes no, I need come to interrupt from. Here. Okay. <laughs> I need to interrupt here. No. I listened to that last episode mm. and I fucking hate that analogy <laughs> because sperm go towards the egg with the head and the head hits the egg and it's, you know, You're it's right. That, it's the right? reverse the of that. The fucking sperm, mm. it's the other way around. No. The tail, the tail. It's reverse is sperm. The, is the fucking... The tail is the hydrophobic bit, and so it's the the, the, the reverse sperm. And I just, I'm sorry, Look, this this analogy really pissed me sue off. Sue me. It's the only thing with a head and a tail that I could think of spontaneously on the spot. Apparently, that's where my mind is. Don't judge it. So the point is, yes, this tail, this tail soap sperm. Listen to the episode. You'll roll, roll, roll the you'll tape. understand roll the what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> if you don't get it, go back and listen to the episode. But essentially, yeah, the soap is going to bind to these like germs, and and as long as you like, if you're super concerned about it, just like rinse the soap under the tap before you use it to wash your hands and it's going to rinse all the germs away and there's actually studies to back this up so like studies going back as far as back as you know 1969 was the earliest one i could find but there was a few where they what they did is they essentially got they essentially got bars of soap and they like intentionally contaminated these bars of soap by putting all these like germs and shit that we knew would grow on it like onto the bars of soap got people to wash their hands with these dirty dirty soap bars um and then and then tested the hands to see (laughs) if there was any germs left on the hands and so none none of the studies were able to find detectable levels of anything on anyone's hands afterwards so the moral of the story is yes Germs can probably grow on bar soap, but you don't need to stress. You can you can share bar soap as long as you give it a rinse. It's not going to make you sick. Unless you just go around licking it. I don't know. That would be my one kind of caveat not covered in these studies. If you lick a bar soap. Well, I mean, that soap, is an issue because, I mean, that's what happens at the dental practices. Is, is it, though? <laughs> yeah. I think you guys yeah. go to yes, very bad dental practices if that's actually what. I mean, I currently have a toothache, so, like, yeah, I go to a fucking bad dentist. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's your problem. They're doing the old soap method. That was made obsolete at least a year ago. 1969, yeah. baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, at least a year ago. Yeah. 
Um, and so with that, I think we have come to an end of this episode. Thank you for coming along to the ride. Thank you, Declan, for giving your time coming along this episode, having a bit of a laugh with us. Um, hope everyone right. enjoyed it. like I have anything else to do I mean, or can go outside. You still have a full paying job, so that's nice. You can work from home. but It's the weekend, baby. Yeah, no, we are recording <laughs> this on a weekend. So thank you for giving up your weekend, Easter weekend, no less, uh, to talk about Ooh. hydrogen. Oh, such a good Catholic. Yeah, you are the ideal. <laughs> Um, so if you want to follow us at Curiosity Rat on Twitter, Insta, Curiosity Killed the Rat on Facebook, Curiosity Killed the... No, I got that email address wrong. Matt, what's her email address? CuriosityRat at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm the one that checks it, but that doesn't mean I know what it is because I never email it, you see. There's the problem. Um, so, you know. You don't email yourself for fun? I don't, I, no, I only text myself if I'm getting lonely. When I was at school, if I wanted to like have access to a file that I was using at school at home and I forgot my USB, I would always email it to myself, but I would always use the same email. So I just had this email chain that I had going for a good five (laughs) years or so. That was just me having conversations with myself back and forth as I was sending myself these files. I don't know whether to be impressed or sad for you. The email chain got lost about 10 years ago or so, but... Oh, it was, it was good fun. That is unfortunate for you. No record of your uh, giant friendship group through high school. Oh, I bet it would have been hilarious. <laughs> it, it is really unfortunate. I would love to read that email. Chain. <gasps> oh, boy. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> if you loved Declan, if you loved what he had to say, yeah. where can we find you? If you if you want if you want more of the chemical cowboy, um, you can find me on Instagram under mf underscore goon underscore because I'm, I love rap music and cheap wine. Um, <laughs> or you can find my horrible writing blog at Diary of a Play Gear with uh, full stops in between all those. Uh, Defoe, eat your heart out. Um, I'm not plugging my Tumblr on here. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to be honest. Nobody I, has like, access I, I want, to my I want Tumblr. You guys- uh, except you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ain't doing that. Um, yeah, I don't know, like... If I had some sort of product to sell, I would, I would, I would shill it here. But like, I have a job, so, and it's in my field. That's so exciting, and field. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Um, Fuck academia. And with that, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you had a blast. We had a blast, and we will catch you next time on Curiosity Killed the Rat. Peace out. Yeah, thanks for having me on. By the way, it's, oh, it's, it's been fun. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Physics is to chemistry as masturbation is to sex. Like, like, okay, laser boy. I never used spark notes in high school. I just Googled Wikipedia synopsis and kind of bullshit from there. I was not a good student. I've never heard anyone use the past tense bullshit. (laughs) I always just say, oh, I just bullshitted it. Or I just bullshit the whole thing. Well, well, I'm, like, okay. do you say you sh- you shitted in the toilet? No, you shat. Excuse you. I'll be damned if I swear with poor grammar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>